guys, welcome back to episode 17 of the Side Dish Podcast, where we dish it out with Boston's brightest culinary minds. It's your host, Brittany from Boston Food Journal, here with my co-host, my sister, Caitlin. Hey, everyone. <laughs> Wake <Sorry>. up. <laughs> <laughs> I'm with you. <laughs> Sorry. Um, anyway, we've got uh, actually a very awesome episode today. Um, we actually interviewed Dana Ehrlich, who is the founder and CEO of Verde Farms, which is a distributor of 100% grass-fed beef. Very interesting story there. Um, so it's a really, really cool um, special interview today, and we're really excited to jump into that. But first, Kate will do her wine tip. We're also going to do something a little different there today. And then I will do my BFJ in the know tip. So that's what we got for you today. Um, how are you doing, Kate? I am doing. There's a lot going on. Yeah, Kate's wedding is in two weeks. Yes, two weeks. So chaos, basically, in our lives. Chaos. And I'm moving out. Yep. And moving somewhere else. Ugh. So it's a whole lot going on. But, you know, it's all good things. So I just keep telling myself that and enjoy the moment. Um, I know we're not technically a skincare podcast, Brittany, but should I plug... Oh, yeah. What I had done. Oh, God, All right. Yeah. So Brittany's one of Brittany's wonderful clients, Dr. Renee Moran, medical aesthetics in Newton and the seaport. She got me hooked on these hydrofacials. Brittany's like, you have to go do it. You have to go do it. And I'm like, what are you talking about? So I went and like my skin looked amazing for at least like two months after it was done. I mean, li literally, you guys. I get them done too. And it's unreal. I mean, it'll like pull all the bad stuff out of your face and like just clear your skin. It's amazing. Yeah. So I did that yesterday. It was and worth the three, almost three hour drive. Uh, yeah, you did drive three traffic. hours. That's how good awful. it is people. But, but um, I did it. <laughs> it was worth, you it. know, on that note, Kate, um, Dr. Renee Moran medical aesthetics is amazing and they do a lot more than just like facial aesthetics and, you know, facials, they do Botox, they do cool sculpting. They're a cool sculpting elite. Um, they do cool tone filler, um, wellness. They do Reiki and reflexology. So a bunch of different stuff. We would highly yeah. recommend them. Like I said, I promise I got, it's not an ad, but I like, look no. at, I'm looking at myself in the zoom video right now. And I'm like, my skin is <laughs> she, just like, she literally was checking perfect. herself out earlier. Like, <laughs> I'm like, look so how good I, look. It. I was like, look at my skin. I sent Brittany a picture of like my face, like really <laughs> close to the camera. I know. And also a quick PSA. They're doing amazing, um, end of summer specials right now that you, if you're, if you're gonna do this, or you've been thinking about it, now would be the time because like I said, they're, they're running amazing specials. Yes. Um, they're giving the BFJ away beauty tip, BFJ beauty tip. They're giving away, <laughs> um, a free dermaplaning. If you get a hydrofacial, they're what giving away, yesterday. um, one cycle of cool sculpting for free. If you purchase an area of cool sculpting, they're giving away, um, a complimentary cool tone session. If you purchase five sessions, all right. Um, I think they purchase... get no, I feel like people need to know this. <laughs> They're doing 20% off all their skincare, which Caitlin also converted to um, Dr. Moran's skincare, skincare line. line and that's also been amazing. I just I just love everyone there and I love the spa. So I'm happy to happy to promote it. But check them out. Their handle is Dr. Renee Moran Medical Aesthetics. And like I said, these specials are running um, until September 22nd. So now would be the time to do it. That's why Caitlin did it. I was like, hey. And it's now. two weeks from the wedding, which is apparently the correct timeline for getting exactly. 
medical stuff done to your face in case you have an adverse reaction or something. But um, right. I'm all good. And I find Perfect. those look better like after a couple of days. Totally. Well, even now it's like makeup's going to just glide right on my face. All that yep. like hair on my face is gone. All the yep. dead it skin does look cells. so much better. Yeah. All right. Well, enough of that. What are we <laughs> sipping on today? Ah. Uh, um, so back to alcohol, which is probably not good for your skin, um, but whatever. So we are still in summer, people. It is still August, even though we're nearing the end. Um, so I thought maybe I would prep you all for your Labor Day beverage of choice. Mm-hmm. So we're going to do something a little different today. It is wine, but it's a frosé recipe Yum, that favorite. I'm going to recommend that I tried. So I'll just talk through this, Brit, and then maybe we can post it to yeah. the, to Boston Food Journal or something. But what you'll need is a bottle of a bolder rosé, so like maybe a darker rosé, a half a cup of sugar, eight ounces of strawberries, and two and a half ounces of fresh lemon juice. So basically you're going to like flash freeze the rosé, the rosé. So put it in a baking pan, put it in the freezer till it's kind of like a slush. Then you boil the sugar and um, add the strawberries and create kind of like a syrup with that. So like let it, um, for about three minutes, let it strain into the sugar um, and then strain it through a mesh like strainer. Uh, and then scrape the rosé from the freezer, the lemon juice, and the syrup that you just made into a blender, and a cup of crushed ice, and uh, there you go. Blend it up. That sounds so good. you got so some good. lovely rosé, and you can garnish it with a strawberry. Now, I don't need to tell you all probably about pairings with this, because you just drink it whenever. Yeah, like, what do you even, what would you even Or, like, you know, I mean, you could have it just as a pre-dinner cocktail or, you know, whatever. With, like, charcuterie, maybe, out on your patio or something. Yeah, something, or with, like, fruit or whatever. If you, if it's day drinking, it's probably a really good day drinking thing. Mm -hmm. Um, And it can vary in cost, right? So it just depends on, I would recommend a cheaper rosé because you're freezing it and adding sugar to it. So, (laughs) so like, you don't need to spend a bunch on a nicer rosé for this, but... Um, it's just a fun little recipe that I think you should all try this coming uh, weekend. Love it. Thanks, Kate. I'm going to make yeah. you make me one. All right. I have a blender. Make, I have a Vitamix. I'll make James make one because he's better at that stuff. Sorry. Yeah, he's really good at that. Um, the Vitamix recommend. Also not an ad, but they make the best frozen <laughs> drinks. <laughs> and everything has to be an ad, Caitlin. Doesn't need a preface. I know, but sometimes I'm just crazy about a product. I'm going to say it. Well, thanks, Kate. That sounds good. And now we want to jump into our um, interview with Dana Ehrlich, who's the founder and CEO of Verde Farms. So real quick, I actually met Dana um, at a Verde Farms influencer dinner that I attended earlier in the month at Cosmica in the South End. And it was a wonderful event. It was presented by Verde Farms. And I was actually sat next to Dana at the table. And we just, you know, we talked for most of the night and his story was so interesting how he founded the company, um, what grass-fed really means. I learned so much and I thought it would be so awesome to have Dana on the podcast and share some information with you guys that you probably just didn't know about, um, you know, the process of raising grass-fed cows and producing this, you know, organic beef and how to cut it and prepare it, all that good stuff. So um, we're so excited to have Dana on here. Dana, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much for having me. So first, can you tell us a bit more about your background and how you got into the farming and beef industry specifically? 
Sure. So first, let me just start with Verde, and then I'll, I'll back up a little bit on the, the personal side. So uh, Verde has become the, the leading both distributor and marketer of organic and grass-fed beef uh, across the U.S. I started the business nearly 15 years ago after a, a trip to Argentina and mm-hmm. living in Buenos Aires as a, an exchange student during my MBA program at Dartmouth and ate a tremendous amount of beef, which I later found out was grass-fed and came back to the US and found out that there was no Argentinian or grass-fed beef uh, and had a bad meal at a a steakhouse and started looking into uh, how beef was raised in the US. And one thing led to another and uh, I founded Verde. It's amazing. I love that story. We were kind of talking about it at the event. It's like the best businesses come from you actually firsthand experiencing a need for something. And I feel like that was you like tasting the differences between meat and you kind of realized you wanted to do something with that, which is cool. Yeah. And, and I think we actually talked about it during the event of normally when people ask me how a vacation was, I don't tell them where I went or what I did. I tell what them ate. what I ate. Mm-hmm. And, Same. and I think we have that uh, very much in common. Yep. And, and that's what it was all about. It wasn't, ah, uh, I ate this beef and I see a tremendous market need. It was like, oh, this beef's amazing. Mm-hmm. And then started to learn more about it and then later became a business, but it was really uh, about the the love uh, of the beef to, to begin with. I love that. Awesome. So I guess from that experience, you, you probably dove into, like you said, how farming processes here in the States, but how did Verde specifically come to be? Like, how was the process of going from that trip to founding a business? <laughs> um, tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, it's circuitous a bit. Uh, So prior to both business school and going to Argentina, I lived in uh, Silicon Valley and was a semiconductor manufacturing engineer and product manager for Intel, uh, (laughs) doing microprocessors and work for network appliance, also doing product management. Uh, So very different uh, career path and, and change in industries. So it started while I was living in Buenos Aires and spent a weekend out at an estancia, which is like a working bed and breakfast cattle ranch. And that was where I saw the cattle actually out on pasture. Uh, we would ride horses during the day. We would eat the, the beef and lamb and drink Malbec uh, at the fireplace at night. And so really all of the branding uh, that continues through today, even though we've evolved it over time, really comes from that original weekend at the Estancia back in 2004. Wow. Uh, so that, that was really the, the marketing and branding inspiration. Uh, from a business standpoint, one of my classmates in Buenos Aires worked for the Uruguayan government promoting the export of uh, Uruguayan beef. And so it was through that connection that I initially made the introduction or received the introduction to the, the current uh, producers that we work with. And when we started, the, the business was very small. There were a handful of, of ranchers in the program. Uh, today, we work with over a thousand ranchers around the world wow. and we're wow. the largest importer of Uruguayan beef into the US. So the, wow. the business has grown uh, tremendously. That's, yeah, uh, that's incredible growth. That's amazing. Congrats. Um, now kind of jumping into, you know, what grass fed really means. We know that so much of our food that we eat is jammed with antibiotics, which has caused, you know, probable health issues for a lot of us. So what does it really mean to be true organic and true free range? 
So we have a, a firm red line where we want cattle to be out on pasture for their entire lives. So if you just see grass fed, all cattle are born and raised on pasture, but then they can be very quickly moved into feedlots where they're implanted with growth hormones, they're fed antibiotics, uh, they're confined, they're fed grain only to fatten up as quickly as possible. On the other hand, what we do is what most people outside uh, in, in the cities, and if you're, you're not familiar with the supply chain, envision where cattle are out on pasture, they're eating grass, uh, because of 90% of what we do is organic certi certified, uh, meaning that there's no synthetic pesticides or fertilizers used on the pasture as well. Mm -hmm. Wow. And I guess kind of along that note too. So what does a care for a free range cow really mean or require? Just like wide open space, like just grass, like not none of that other business. Oh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, it, it, it really is. Uh, so we like to picture uh, a soccer field, especially in Uruguay where uh, football or, or soccer is number one. And, and each uh, individual cow has a soccer field to itself <laughs> as opposed to like a little... Uh, little like a square apartment mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, where they're crammed in and, and uh and you might have uh, a property with a thousand hectares uh or you know very large spaces where there might be a couple hundred animals and you could compare that to a confined situation where you might have several hundred animals or even thousands of animals where they're all bumping into each other. Mm. Uh, that has a, a lot of effect both on the product and food safety. So from a, a product standpoint, if you picture uh, a human sitting down on a couch eating potato chips all day, which are grains, they're gonna get fat really quickly. Uh, they're not moving. Right. If you're out on pasture, they're walking around, they're eating grass, which has a higher protein content, less fat. Uh, they're gonna, It's gonna be a leaner product. And so when you eat the finished, beef, uh, you're going to see that very quickly. Mm. From a food safety standpoint, if one animal gets sick, I think of this as like a college dorm, you know, one gets sick, everybody <laughs> yep. else gets sick. Well, right. that's why they have to feed them the antibiotics prophylactically. Well, when you're out on pasture, uh, you know, 99% of the time, the animals don't get sick or will recover on their own. And, right. and so if animals do get sick, we, we certainly treat them, uh, but then are taken out of the organic herd and processed separately. Got it. It's so interesting. interesting. You know, those are all the things that I never thought about, but make so much sense. And actually having tried your beef, I can tell tell you that like there is a difference. It's delicious. It's, it's you know, flavorful. It's just, it is so interesting how like how you care for the cows changes the taste of, of the beef. It's just, it's just so interesting. And yeah, it's I think one of the, either you might've asked me of, you know, before we ate, how, how does the taste differ? And the analogy I, I like to give uh, is that it, it could be like a craft beer, like a Sam Adams versus a Budweiser. Mm -hmm. It's really robust with flavor yep. or like an heirloom tomato versus your red, shiny, watery tomatoes that look pretty, uh, right. but have no inherent flavor on their own. Yep. 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 So true. Um, now, switching gears a little bit. Um, I know that Verde talks a lot about recipes and how you can cook with some of the beef. So I think we know the answer to this, but is cooking and eating a big passion for you as well? Do you eat your beef often? Like what's your favorite recipe, um, your favorite Verde recipe? Yeah, so certainly uh, I'm a foodie at heart, uh, as I mentioned <laughs> earlier. 
uh, that that's a part of the, the reason for starting the business is just my interest in food. And so uh, it, it's not beef on the menu, you know, for lunch and dinner every day of the week. Uh, we are <laughs> balanced in the house, uh, but we definitely uh, enjoy lots of different meats uh, from my, my wife and I and even the kids. Uh, uh, even when we have ribeyes, they all fight for the outside of the ribeye, the spinellas. Mm which is mm-hmm. the, the best cut of meat on the entire animal. And even my, my seven-year-old is well uh, familiar with that concept. That is amazing. <laughs> yeah, and I, that's why I thought was really cool on the website. You had like stir fry meats, stews meat. So it's like people that also have that passion for cooking can easily like kind of say, oh, cool, this is good for this, this is good for this. Um, so I loved that. So I guess yeah. it doesn't have to be beef, but sorry, Brett, go ahead. I was just going to say we had it in a in a wonderful like, um, what was the name of that dish that we had at the event? It was delicious. It was with like rice and, um, beautiful, like greens and flavors and a stir fry. <laughs> no, no. Oh, okay. It's a, it's a like Latin dish. I can't remember. Oh, the okay. Name, it was it, really it, good. Yeah. With yeah. The, the chimichurri sauce. It was so delicious. Yeah. yeah. So it doesn't have to be beef related, but what are your favorite things to cook? Just out of curiosity. So I, I will go on the, on the beef side. Uh, <laughs> so I, I do have both a, a regular grill with propane tank, uh, not the best, but definitely easy uh, uh, after a long day to go push the button, but also have a green egg. And we've done some- Oh, I've heard good things about that. Green egg. So yeah. my, my favorite is actually a bone-in short rib that I'll, mm. I'll slow cook uh, uh, for you know four to six hours, finish it, basting in, in a craft beer and just oh. falls off the bone. That sounds so, so good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, Caitlin and her fiance are big beer people. I, I'm surprised that you don't cook like that, Caitlin. With Well, if I had a green egg, I think like I want a smoker or like a green egg. I think those are like, that's, that's going to be my... I'm getting married in a couple of weeks. Maybe I'll add that to the registry so I can definitely put that on. Yeah, yeah. I think that's a must-have. Uh, hardwood lump charcoal inside the green egg, so you mm. get that really nice smoky flavor. Yeah, my fiance is obsessed with our char. He won't grill on a gas grill; like he has to have the charcoal grill. Yeah, which is like such a process. You light the coals, and then they have to catch on fire, and they smoke. So he would love that. Is that. over my head. Yeah. yeah, but I mean, I think that's part of the romanticism about food. And mm-hmm. you, know, you talked about, I think it was every Sunday night, your big Italian family yep. sits down and, and eats. And, and in Uruguay, you know, Saturday night, the meal preparation takes hours and hours and hours because wow. they cook over. Uh, they actually have a, a really interesting grill where you light the real hardwood uh, on fire, the coals drop, and then you push the coals over, and it's the, the coals that heat and smoke the food hours and hours and hours to cook. And then just like in, you know, kind of Italy, Spain, they don't eat until, you know, nine o'clock. But, you know, 10, 11, especially during summertime is perfectly normal. And and so people are spending hours and hours with their family as opposed to just pushing the button on the grill and, and, you know, whipping through the the meal. And, And it's really all about family. Yeah, I love that. Like, like we've talked about food as a representation of so many other things. And it sounds like they're really to them. Food is is the the thing that brings them all together, which is kind of how Caitlin and I grew up. So I feel like that culture is kind of aligned to our family, you know, and I know the same for you, Dana. 
Yeah, mom yeah. had to help. So put the green egg on the, the registry. Yeah. Yes, I back. need to. I think I definitely need to. <laughs> yeah, but no. then you can take some lessons. So you don't have to call mom whenever you yeah. need to prepare steak. Drowning <laughs> me. Which may or may not have happened. Yeah, outing <laughs> me right now. Um, uh, now, now, since we're talking about cooking, grilling, and we are sort of still in the height of grill season, um, we know that every steak has a specific way it should be cut, quote, across the grain. What does that really mean? Yeah, so depending on the, the cut and where the cut is from in the animal, uh, there will be different ways to cook it. So the tenderloin, for instance, is along the upper part of the back of the animal. And so when the animal walks along the pasture, that muscle doesn't get worked very much. And mm -hmm. so it's super tender. And, and ribeye and strip is from the same general area. When you get to other cuts like the brisket and the flank, and some of the, the cuts around the legs, there's more connective tissue and harder grains. And so those are the cuts where you can't just cook it potentially with a dry heat. You might need to marinate it first or mm. raise it to break up that connective tissue and really soften things up. And so, you know, flank and brisket are, are good examples where there's a very heavy grain. And if you cook it the wrong way, it's going to be super chewy. Yeah. And if you cut it against the grain, it breaks up the, the really tough part and, and makes it really nice uh, and a good experience to eat. So it, you don't have to know where it comes from on the animal, but if you do know, then it helps influence what you buy and, and how to cook it. That's so awesome. interesting. I didn't know. I really didn't know that. When Brittany was little, I don't know if she told you this story, but our dad used to cook all of our beef meat well done. So she would dip it in her water glass <laughs> to make it more juicy As a kid, and tender. I didn't, I didn't understand. Like she was like, why is it dry? Tenderness. It was so dry. So I would dip it in He's my water. He's come a long way. He's come a and long then way when now. Big fiance yeah. came into the family. He was like, Sam. Let me, this is wrong. This is wrong. We're not eating meat this way. It needs to be I rare. Finally get some like medium rare. Indoor. Yeah. So no, the days I, I didn't hear that story. I just heard the, uh, the very expensive, uh, ribeye. Oh, the the Wagyu. oh God. No, yeah. no, the, um, what's up with my brain? Tomahawks. Kobe? Tomahawks. Tomahawks. That we scorched and burned into pieces. Yeah. Yes. It ca caught fire. Literally. Over Memorial Day weekend. <laughs> And but I think like we redid that, right? And it was yeah, we did. It was, yeah. it was excellent. Yeah, so we redeemed ourselves, but yeah, we we've struggled with the meat department. <laughs> yeah, I mean, obviously, it's it's a funny story, but uh, anecdotally, we hear this all the time that you go to the the retail meat case, and we're predominantly on the retail and club side as opposed to food service, mm -hmm. and it's a wall of red meat and styrofoam mm -hmm. packages that are wrapped yeah. and. Yeah. You know, uh, different cuts look almost the same, but if you cook them the same way, they'll come out totally different. Yeah. yeah. And I think, uh, you know, kind of, I'll, I'll lump myself in your, or, uh, your generation, but <laughs> our generation didn't come up cooking as much as the prior generation. Right. And so there, there's just not been the education and experience to know what the different cuts are. Right. And I view one of the roles uh, of Verde is to help educate consumers on what the different cuts are and how to cook them. Mm -hmm. And, you know, podcasts like this will hopefully help inspire people to, to learn more about it. Definitely. That's and on that note too, where can our listeners find your products? Um, where can they look for you? Yeah, so we do ship nationally via Amazon Fresh. So that oh, you can nice. have delivered right to your door. 
Uh, we also locally, uh, both in BJ's and Market Basket, for instance. So both uh, club nice. stores and, and uh, leading retailers. Perfect. And do you sell to restaurants, Dana? Uh, we do. Um, we don't sell nearly as much as on the, uh, the retail side. Uh, we've worked with Boloco, mm -hmm. uh, True mm -hmm. Food Kitchen, backed by Oprah and Dr. Cool. Whale. Uh, awesome. So there, there's uh, a number of uh, kind of better for you uh, establishments uh, across the country that we work with. That's amazing. Awesome. And obviously, we know you've been growing like crazy and more growth to come. But what's next for Verde? What's, you know, do you have any fun, exciting things coming? You know, what's what's next? Yeah, so we've been busy on two major initiatives. One is more operationally focused, where we've started our own processing facility that we own. Uh, so we've been dedicating a, a lot of focus and energy to that. Uh, and then on the, the branded side, we continue to grow and build our branded distribution. And so we're working on a, a lot of exciting things around the, the Verde promise uh, that we'll be rolling out uh, in the near future. That's amazing. We are excited to, to watch and stay tuned for those things to come. Awesome. Yeah. That's awesome. All right. Well, that's everything for today. Dana, thank you so much again for chatting with us. It's great to learn a little bit more about the company and then also these like good tips for cutting and cooking beef, things that I didn't know and we'll hopefully put into practice soon. Everyone go to the Verde <laughs> website and read more about it. So yes. And don't forget well, you can our social sites. And yes, social sites. And don't forget you can purchase their products at BJ's and um, you said Whole Foods. Uh, market basket. Market, market basket. basket. And then also uh, delivery via Amazon Fresh. And we'll make sure to link all that for everyone so that they have uh, the right links. But thank you so much. It was so great chatting with you and we appreciate your time. Thanks, Thank Dana. you. It was a lot of fun. journal weekly tip. So I have something really cool today. If you follow me on Instagram, you probably saw that I just posted a reel about this, but I think everyone needs to know because the summer is ending. Um, there is such thing as alcoholic ice cream and what? yep. So precinct kitchen and bar, which is in back Bay is hosting a pop-up this summer. Now it ends in September. So I think it's the end of September, but don't quote me on that. Um, so there's still time to get it. But basically, they have partnered with the liquor-infused ice cream company, Tipsy Scoop. So Tipsy Scoop is literally boozy ice cream. Their liquor-infused ice cream flavors are inspired by classic cocktails and cocktails that are made with local ingredients. They're based in New York. So, of course, this is a New York thing. Seems so New York City. Um, but <laughs> Precinct is doing a pop-up with them. Um, and their flavors are salted caramel, vanilla bean, bourbon raspberry limoncello sorbet, mango margarita sorbet. So that sounds so good to me. Again, I just did a reel on this on Boston Food Journal, but it kind of shows you each ice cream and it tastes delicious. And I feel like this is like a great, you know, daytime activity. If you're out walking around, doing some shopping on Newberry or at the Prue doing some shopping, stop by the precinct pop-up on their patio, grab some tipsy scoop ice cream and get a little buzz going. Keep in mind, guys, I think the hours are, are unique. I don't know them, and I'm so sorry for that, but I would check the precinct 
um, Instagram for more details on that because I know they they like have a little funky hours, but they are going to be open until September, I think mid to late September. So definitely check it out. Boozy ice cream, liquor infused ice cream gets a little buzz, gets you that little sweet tooth craving. It's a very fun, very summer thing. And I hope that they, I hope that they extend it. It's a really cool thing. And again, if you're curious about what it looks like, or you want to see it, definitely just um, go to my page and click on my reels and you'll see, um, you'll see it there. We're, we just posted that today. So very exciting stuff. I, I love to see Boston doing cool stuff like this, like pushing the limits, doing unique New York-like things. I think that's what people want these days, especially with Instagram being so like, visual and the crazier the better you know what i mean totally it's like the, the crazier more Love dramatic yeah exactly like the more dramatic <laughs> and crazy the item the more viral it goes which doesn't always equate to like the the better it tastes but you know in today's like digital first world i think it's important to, to do stuff like that so definitely check them out tipsy scoop pop up at precinct kitchen and bar in back bay um not that much time left to go but make sure you get in before they're done for the summer sounds awesome and that's a wrap for today, guys. Thank you so much for tuning into this episode. We hope that you loved it. And we shall see you next week. Bye. Capua Sisters <laughs> out. Bye.